Hello and welcome to Build Momentum, where we make PR easy for education organizations. This show was created to help edtech startups, research institutes, and schools learn how to develop simple, replicable PR strategies and how to execute on those strategies. I'm your host, Sarah Williamson, and I've spent the past 15 years working in PR where I've been able to understand what works and what does it when it comes to making an impact. I will share my tips for success and interview others who have done the same to provide you with the framework that you can use within your own organization. Be sure to grab my free guide, How to Create a Killer Case Study, even if you don't have data, at casestudy.swpr-group.com. That's casestudy.swpr-group.com. And today we have Sam Reed, who goes by Reed on the show with us. And Reed is here. He's a teacherpreneur and he's here to share his story with us. And I cannot wait for you to meet him. He's a true gem. Reed, would you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about your background? Hey, hey, Sarah. Yeah, as you said, my name is Reed, aka Samuel Reed III. And my tag is that I teach students to read, write, and make sense of the world. And I side hustle for social good the rest of the time. Love it. I came to teach entrepreneurship, not by accident. It was actually planned. I, before becoming an educator, I actually ran a business. I got my MBA and I wanted, after receiving my MBA, I wanted to go in business right away. But I realized during my MBA time that I didn't have the social capital or the real financial capital to kind of do the business that I wanted to do. So I decided to incubate myself and I joined the Peace Corps. My mom and my friends, they thought I was crazy, but there was a method to my madness. I joined the Peace Corps as a business development volunteer in the country, Botswana. I stayed, I extended my Peace Corps tour. And then after finishing my Peace Corps tour, I started information service and training company in Africa, in Botswana. It's kind of like an African.com, right? Yeah. And we had a good run. We ran for four and a half years and we went bankrupt before we could make it to the fifth year. Because they normally say if you can make it to the fifth year, you have a good chance of having a sustainable business. Uh But we were undercapitalized and there wasn't like proper venture capital infrastructure in the country at the time. Like if we were set up in America, we might have been able to get some venture capitalists to like back us. And so that didn't happen. We grew the company too fast. We blew up. And next step, my wife decided hey, you have to go back to your country. My wife's from Botswana and Mm -hmm. we had to re-engineer and reboot. And when I decided what I wanted to do, I was thinking about doing a PhD in business. And I'm like, you know what? I want to teach young people because I think it's going to have more impact. And I want to teach young people, not necessarily have to chase money. So I became an educator. Mm -hmm. And that first few years of being an educator, like super, super challenging. And once my teaching craft kind of got stable, I realized, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm an entrepreneur. Like, how can I bring this entrepreneurial background into teaching? And so I started writing a few grants. I started writing and doing a couple of programs. And next thing, like I have a vibrant practice as a teacherpreneur in my classroom doing awesome projects, galvanizing resources, grants, partnerships. And fast forward, the school where I worked previously, we were set up for a closure I worked with the community and partners to stave off the closure. Wow. But it was temporarily, though. Okay. We got a reprieve, but eventually the right ones on the wall, they were going to close. And at the same time, there was a new school that was developing in the making. The current school where I teach now is the U School. And the U School was like 
a perfect school for my disposition because we lean into design thinking. Yeah. We lean into youth development. It was a school that was giving permission kind of to be an innovative school or actually a part of the innovation network in our school district. And so I'm at a happy medium of being in an innovative school space where doing teacher innovation, design thinking. And then as that was progressing last year with COVID, Mm-hmm. there was just opportunity to do some pivots and we can talk about that as we get into the conversation. We normally have a six word story, but that was a little bit more than six words, but that's my little story. Well, it's a pretty good story. I think it deserves more than six words. So that's great. Okay. So what are you up to now? And tell me, I'm curious, what role has innovation played in what you're doing now? So tell me more about that. Yeah. So as I was saying during COVID, you know, my school and colleagues, we'd already been doing work around providing opportunities for asynchronous and synchronous learning opportunities for young folks in our school. Mm -hmm. And simultaneously, I participated in this program in Philadelphia, part of the Arts and Business Council. It was a design thinking boot camp Mm -hmm. for artists and corporate partners. Mm -hmm. I participated in that program And simultaneously, we had COVID going on, and then we had the racial unrest going on. And at my school, unfortunately, we lost one of our students to gun violence, not because of it wasn't a police violence situation. It was just a really unfortunate situation. And this young man, right, the only time he would get excited and juiced up in my classrooms when I would talk about finance, economics, because typically school can be boring, honestly, right? For most young folks, school is just a drag. But when I would talk about money, finance, bitcoins, like his, you know, he would perk up, right? Yeah. I'm like, I need to do some programming that's going to engage like this young man who had his unfortunate demise and (sighs) lost his life, right? And I said, I'm going to do this business 101 accelerator, side hustle accelerator. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to bridge young folks and not so young folks together and provide them with a training program that's going to do soup the nuts from starting a business to getting it up and running, like registering the business, coming up with your mission statement, learning how to track your income. And at the end of the program, they develop a one to two page, I call it a a shorty, a little short business plan that Mm -hmm. is like operational for them, both for internal operations or if they want to go out and get some funding and the like. And so I started that accelerator program and Liz, one of your previous guests, Mm-hmm. was a participant in the program along with five high school students, right? And of those five high school students, three of them are still operating their businesses, right? One mm-hmm. has a sneaker design business. The other young person has a, a social entrepreneurial motivational merchandising business. He just recently launched his website, launched his merchandise. And another young lady, she has a health and beauty merchandising business. And so they were participating. I continue to provide them support and even provided them with some micro startup funds. Wow. Yeah. And then the adults that were participating in the program, many of them are still operating their businesses. Some were educators. I had a food entrepreneur in our group, teacher entrepreneurs in our group, some artists in our group. And because of the success of the pilot program in the summer, after school got settled, This winter and spring, we started like a second cohort It's a smaller group on purpose because my capacity, I have to, you know, manage my capacity. Mm -hmm. We have a smaller group in our accelerator program, but I'm also providing coaching to actually more folks in the summer. I had folks that I was coaching, but I have more folks in the accelerator. And now I have fewer folks in the accelerator. I have coaching more folks. 
Yeah, so I'm excited about the prospects of expanding this work. I'm in conversations with some other local organizations, universities that are looking to do more programming around youth development. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to expanding my work as well. That's fantastic. What are some of the themes that you see arise out of those conversations you have with both the adults and the students? Is it like some of those common challenges and positive outcomes or transformations, I should say? Are there any transformations that you're continuously witnessing? So the, yeah, the big thing with the young folks, some of the things that we end up, the sparks that happen in the classroom lead them to like business opportunities, right? And so mm-hmm. the young man who does, giving a shout out to Brill, he does the sneaker rebranding. He started drawing and doodling in the classroom. And from those drawings and doodling, I'm like, man, you're onto something. Like you should keep this up. And he had something, but then when he participated in the program, the thing that it gave them structure because they come up with a why statement, right? Mm-hmm. What's your passion? Why is it important? What mm-hmm. impact is it going to have? They move from their why statement to their mission statement, and then they come up with their story for their business. And then from mm-hmm. the story, we get into the tactics of like, how are you going to manage it? How are you going to track it? How are you going to come up with operational benchmark to see if you're having success? Mm-hmm. And building the confidence has been really transformational, right? Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, Liz, who was one of your previous guests, participated in our accelerator and she was doing it, like I say, at her own pace. We have office hours, we're checking with her. And I was like, wow, you have this open source material. This is amazing. Like, keep working at it. You're onto something. And that just gave her the confidence. So it's not like I'm doing anything special. Right. I'm just giving people permission to believe in themselves because it's already there, right? Yeah. And you give them space mm-hmm. and permission. And there were some moves that we did around design thinking. So we do this thing called rosebud thorns, right? Where we look at like the opportunities, you look at threats and we look at potential and like having them do that in a structure where they see where their roses are, they see where the thorns are and they see where the buds are. That was like a really transformational experience for Liz and other folks as they were doing the accelerator program. Mm -hmm. And bringing in that design thinking approach has been really powerful, as well as bringing in my practice as an educator, because I also do a lot of work around project-based learning. Mm -hmm. And again, with project-based learning, you're looking at discipline, you're looking at collaboration, and then you're moving a project from ideation to prototypes. Yeah. And Having folks go through those processes has been really great. And then for young folks to see like, oh, what we're doing in school has some meaning, has some value, like it's transferable. That's been really, really exciting. Yeah, that is so exciting. I'm curious too how COVID has impacted some of your programs. Has that changed at all? Do you do everything virtually, whereas you once did it in person? Tell me about that. Yeah, so honestly, COVID has been like, a blessing in disguise Mm -hmm. in my case, but partly because I was at a school where we were already incubating, doing this, like playing around with how do you deal with time and learning and content with students, right? And so Mm -hmm. we'd already been doing digital learning. We'd already been doing this asynchronous learning models. And so when COVID hit, our school was kind of in a better position as a school space to do the work. But then the equity issue was a problem with our district because although our school might have been in a position to kind of like get right at it, other of our colleagues at our schools in the city weren't as ready, right? And so we had to kind of hold tight during COVID. And while we were holding tight, I began to incubate not only 
at school level, but out of school, what are some things that we can do outside of school? And so that's when I started designing and developing the Business 101 Side Hustle Accelerator Program. And then from developing the Business 101 Side Hustle Accelerator Program, I started up my Medium blog post where I, I blog for a Medium, mm-hmm. showing the intersection of like innovation, intersection of teaching, and the intersection of just like living a life. And so like setting up routines have been really important as well. And so even though it was COVID, when the routines that were like valuable, non-COVID still became valuable. So like mindful as a practice, Mm -hmm. I provide those opportunities in my classroom, but I also provide those spaces when I'm working with my business. I call them side hustlers, right? We work with hustlers because like those are the things that are going to sustain you because like running a business is hard work, right? Tell me about it. There are challenges. And if like, you don't know how to just pause and breathe and like, look at the positive side, go back to that rosebud thorn exercise. Those are the things that sustain folks. Yeah. And side note, Reed did that for me when we first got on this podcast. I was having a moment. So you sure did. Yes. Thank you. Good. Okay. So I'm curious, you said you have a blog. What other ways are you creating buzz for your program and promoting what you're doing? How are you sharing your message aside from places like this, this podcast? Yeah. So part of it is sometimes as an entrepreneur, you could go big or you could go focused, right? Mm-hmm. So I realized that going big wasn't the best approach, going focused. And so I have a mailing list of folks that are already engaged with me. I have a bigger mailing list of folks that I've sent out general information, like because I'm a teacher and I do teacher programming and I'm connected and I have networks. I have like a big mailing list of like 2000 folks, right? Yeah. But when it comes to this program, the Business 101 program, I'm not blasting it up to that whole group. Right. Targeting folks that are already engaged with me, folks that already know that are interested in business, folks that have engaged with me at a certain level. And by using that approach, the word of mouth is actually more powerful because those folks are going to spread the spreadability of what I'm doing. And I engage with them on an instant, constant basis. In fact, I'm applying for the University of Pennsylvania's Graduate School of Education, their education business competition program, right? My vision would be to like develop an app, a side hustle app that, again, is targeted and focused towards specific side hustle ethos and dispositions and communications. But it's again, it's targeting the right people. And so my word of advice is like, don't go big, go focused. So true. It's funny. I used to kind of be a PR generalist and try to reach everyone with, oh, I can help you. Sure, I can help you. I can help you do PR. And it's you're never really very successful if you take that approach because people don't really know who you help or how you help them. Whereas when I really decided to focus on education technology and education, it was transformational for both me and my business. A total game changer. Yeah. And so I decided to lean into this, I'm calling it the side hustle market. But again, I'm not isolating to side hustle. I'm also folks that support the side hustlers, right? Folks that are trying to do sell to them as well as work with them in terms of business development and, you know, workforce development folks that are trying to like, particularly with young folks, how do you engage young folks that are like checking out in some ways, right? Yeah. But they're jazzed up about something. Just how do you get them connected? How do you tap into that? It's almost like shifting their mindset. Just think of school as something that you can get excited about. What are you excited about? And tapping into whatever that is. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, I love that you're doing that. And I'm curious. I know that we touched on failure, but failure is such an important part of being an entrepreneur. It's an important part of being a human being, really. So 
How has failure impacted your career? So tell me about that. Yeah. My word that I tell my students is like, yo, I celebrate my failures and I celebrate their failures. Like if you have an epic failure around me, I am so going to juice you up and make you (laughs) feel so amazing. Right. But I mean, it's one thing to celebrate the failure, but like what lessons are you taking from the failures? So number one, you're building up this resilience, right? Yeah. And then you're looking at, it's a pivot. Like, okay, this didn't work. Now I need to try this. And again, I mean, my experience of like going bankrupt in my own business colors my experience. But even that experience is like the best experience of my life. It taught me so many valuable lessons. And then it made me the person, the teachpreneur that I am today. Yeah. And I think one of the common denominators of every failure is you tried, you did something, you took some action. And that's what's so great about a failure, right? Yeah. Particularly when you fail and then you reassess and you get back up, right? So if you fell and like, oh, it's over, the world is over. Oh, I'm done. No. Like my wife said, hey, Sam, the business is done. You need to go back home and you need to reboot. And so in my rebooting, I didn't discount the business experience. I I put it there and then I developed my education experience and then combined them together. And so the synergy is really, really paying off for me. I feel super, super blessed. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm so passionate like you that the two worlds of education and entrepreneurship and just having an entrepreneurial mindset, it's really a match made in heaven if you can combine those together. Mm -hmm. And we can really help our students and our future. It doesn't mean that kids have to be business owners. It means that kids have to learn how to think for themselves and be problem solvers and analytical and come up with solutions to help make create a better future for everyone, right? And that's the thing that I'm pitching to the workforce development industry that's looking at ways of trying to engage you from like, hey, let's do these. Let them attend my side hustle accelerator program Mm -hmm. and they will actually become better workers by having this experience as an entrepreneur, even if their business doesn't ultimately thrive, right? The disposition entrepreneur has, but those dispositions are going to be useful in the 21st century, right? Mm -hmm. Because actually, as educators today, we can't prepare kids for the jobs that they're going to have 15 years from now. We have no clue. Right. We can prepare them with disposition. Like this week, I was using kids up about like data literacy and digital literacy and why it's important. And okay, we're going to go to the playground and we're going to play around with data in the World Bank. And we're looking at all this data from the World Bank. Like, why does the World Bank have all this data? This is the world we live in. They're mining this data to make decisions and understanding data and being able to manipulate it, understand it, produce it, present it is super important. And yeah, those are the dispositions that you learn. Like, even if you're going to pitch your business, your data your story has to be there, but you have to have some numbers to go with your stories. And those numbers need to be able to tell a story, right? Mm-hmm. These are the skills and dispositions that I'm sharing in my business accelerator. But these are also some of the dispositions that I'm providing with my students in my classroom as well. Yeah. Oh, that's super amazing. I'm super impressed with you, Reed. I'm so glad you stopped by the show. Would you mind telling our listeners more about how they can find you and track you down and maybe take your business accelerator class if they're interested? Yeah. So my website is pretty easy. It's www.sriiconsulting.org. And I can send you the link. You can put it in the show notes. Absolutely. But yeah, if you visit my website, you can learn all about the different programs and offerings that I have. And then you could also go to my Medium blog, which is medium.sriiconsulting as well. 
And you can read many of my posts about mindfulness, but not only about mindfulness, mm-hmm. about project-based learning, design thinking, yeah. the whole intersection of teaching, hustling, and everyday life. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I really appreciate your time. I think we're all going to go check that out. Maybe I should take that course. And thank you and have a wonderful day. Thanks for stopping by. Oh, thanks a lot. I appreciate the opportunity to share with you and your audience. Yes. And Build Momentum listeners, don't forget to grab my free guide to creating a killer case study, even if you don't have data. Again, that's available at casestudy.swpr-group.com, casestudy.swpr-group.com. Thanks so much for tuning in today. And if you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and write us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you choose to listen. We will be back with another episode of Build Momentum next week. Thanks so much and have a fantastic day.